You're listening to the Save the Marriage Podcast. Your marriage can be saved and strengthened if you have the right information. Join Dr. Lee Bauckham as he explores ways for you to improve your relationship and your life, starting right now. There's a little trap that you need to know about. This trap I, I watch and the downward spi- spiral of, of couples when they're stuck in that cycle that's spinning downward and downward. Oftentimes at the root of this is this little trap. I call it the perception connection trap. The perception connection trap is what happens as you're headed down that path of disconnection and that down that path of bad perception. They both come hand in hand. So let's talk about the various pieces of this and how they fit together. First, let's talk about what I mean by perception. Perception is how you understand the other person, their actions, their words, and their intent behind their actions and words. And this is what I talk about as that personal paradigm. Um, If you are familiar with my work, you know that I am not a supporter of the whole communication theory in therapy. If you go to many marital therapists, they drop back on this idea that the problem is you need to communicate better. And so they work on these communication patterns. And I will tell you that this has infiltrated our culture so much so that I spent many, many hours with people coming into my office saying, hey, we need help with our communication. We're not communicating well. And they, I would say, well, what do you mean by you're not communicating well? And they would start telling me that as they understood it, they were not able to communicate with each other, that each person was upset with the other person and and they just couldn't communicate what they wanted to to the other person. So as they were describing this to me, I would say, let me ask you a quick question. Did each of you understand the words of what the other person said? And they would both nod. And I said, yeah, because I did too. I understood every single word you said. That's communication. That's not really the problem here. And this is where a lot of marital therapy breaks down because teaching people communication skills, if you've been in that process, you know what I'm talking about, where you learn to do I messages. You know what an I message is. An I message is when you say, I feel blank when you blank, right? I feel hurt when you yell at me. I feel hurt when you don't listen to me. I feel angry when you slam the door. I mean, that's what we use as these I statements. And they are a replacement for you are a jerk, you slam the door, or you can't talk to me that way. That's not a way you should ever talk to me, right? And, and there is some place in there that is probably right to say you can't talk to me that way. But what they're pointing to is the fact that it's pointing the finger and blaming the other person when we use that kind of language. And so people have been taught uh, to do the I feel messages. And there is nothing wrong with the I feel message. The problem is if you haven't changed something else deeper for that couple, I feel that I feel hurt when you do such and such really ends up being you jerk when you do this, right? We, we don't hear the I feel anymore. We go right to what we know the other person means because it's based in bad perception or what a better way of phrasing would be lower perceptions that you have poor perceptions of the other person. You see, our perceptions are based in lots of ways that we have come to understand the world. They're based in a personal paradigm. And what I mean by that is a paradigm is a model of seeing the world. There's no way to escape paradigms. You can't undo having a paradigm. You're going to have a paradigm. The question is whether your paradigm is closer or further away from reality, not whether you will have a paradigm or not. 
Now, these personal paradigms are built over a lifetime. You don't just suddenly take them on and take them off. They end up being a whole lot like glasses, right? And this is kind of the way I've always thought about these paradigms. Uh, And the good example is I'm driving along in my car. This was several years back, and I'm driving along in my car. And as I was driving through the mountains, I was like, man, I can barely see the road. It's so dark, and it shouldn't be dark at 2 in the afternoon. And then I remembered that I had put my glasses on a while back while it was all sunny and I wasn't in the mountains. As soon as I pulled off the glasses, I could see much more clearly. Well, paradigms are that way. They're like the glasses that we forget that we have on, and they distort our vision in certain ways. They maybe make you see things darker, maybe make you see things sideways, but they are glasses that we wear, the lenses that we look upon the world. These paradigms we've built over time, and we keep testing them out, but really all we're doing is looking for evidence to prove our paradigm right. We tend to not notice when our paradigm is being challenged by something. So we're always looking to verify our paradigm, not challenge our paradigm. It's a great shortcut to see the world, and it probably helps us more than it hinders us. But there are times, particularly when it's related to a spouse, that it might get us into trouble. So how does that paradigm get created? Well, in the events and circumstances of your life, both the ones that you bring into your relationship and the ones that you've built from your relationship. That Now we're talking about your perceptions and your paradigm about your spouse. For instance, let's say you came from a family where you had a very distant parent who was very arbitrary in love and maybe even very judgmental that you couldn't just get loved, you had to earn love, and maybe you even had an absent parent. And because of that, you've learned to distrust emotions and distrust people's love for you. And so you bring that into a marriage. And then something happens and you immediately begin to distrust your spouse. That would be an example of a paradigm that we've created that we bring into the relationship. Or perhaps along the way, something happened with a spouse. And and I often see this when there's something, a big change in life. For instance, let's say that a spouse becomes sick and you have to take care of your spouse. And over time, you begin to see the spouse as the patient, not as the partner. And that begins to be a permanent feature of how you view your spouse. That would be a paradigm built within the relationship. So we have these paradigms that we've built based on what we bring into the relationship and then what we understand through the relationship about each other. And the paradigms are invisible. And even if you realize that you're seeing things a certain way and you try to move to something different, you'll only move to a new paradigm. But here's the thing. Over time, if we're conscious of this and we're moving towards it, we learn better paradigms. We get closer to real paradigms. As we are open to other possibilities, we can take in new potentials for our paradigm and we create that. So here's the big problem, though, with that personal paradigm. It creates communication issues. So when we have a certain paradigm, a certain perception of the other person, it colors what we understand about the communication between us. And that's where we end up with one piece of this perception connection trap, how we're watching, how we're perceiving the other person. Now, our perceptions of someone can change without us really noticing it. That's the thing about paradigms. They change over time, but we don't really notice that they're changing. So they're changing before us, and we don't even see it's before us. They don't, we don't even see how we're seeing things differently. But 
sometimes we get a glimpse of that. I do oftentimes when I go back and listen to something that I, I recorded years ago or I read something I wrote years ago. And it's not that I totally disagree with what I said, but I would realize that my, my thoughts have changed since then. My understandings have changed, maybe grown and deepened since then. And so then I can begin to see how those paradigms have shifted. Maybe you've pulled out cards from long ago uh, when things were going differently in your marriage and you look at them and you go, wow, I'd forgotten we felt that way. Wow, I'd forgotten that we talked with each other in those terms. Wow, I forgot that we held each other with such regard. And you realize that your paradigm has shifted over time about this person. So what happens next? Well, let's put in the other piece. First, we have the perception issue, which is really about the paradigm you're caring about the other person, how you're perceiving that person, their actions, their words, and most importantly, their intent. You know, whether they have a high intent or a low intent, whether they are on your side or against you. That's what I'm talking about, this personal paradigm. So then we have the other piece of the puzzle. We have the perception piece and we have the connection piece. Connection is the feeling of being joined or of joining with the other person. It's the link between the two of you, and it comes in several different flavors for a marriage, really three different levels. One is physical, two is emotional, and three is spiritual. Now, this is some of the material that I talk about in my book, How to Save Your Marriage in Three Simple Steps, that there are these three ways of connecting. So let me just kind of briefly say what they are and what what I mean by those, and then we'll talk about how this connection trap happens. First is the physical connection. Now, physical connection, immediately people go, oh, that's sex. Well, it is, but it's also couples who hug together, hold hands together, how you feel connected physically. And there are some couples that barely touch each other. And so there's very little physical connection. And then you see other couples that are very touchy-feely with each other. It's not that one's right or wrong. It's just the level of physical connection you feel with each other. And one of the problems is when one person wants more of the physical connection and the other person is, is happy or even seeks less connection. So we have this physical level of connection. When you walk by somebody and you pat them on the back, there's physical connection. When you walk by and stroke their head, that's physical connection. When you squeeze their hand while you're watching TV, that's physical connection. When you have sex, that's certainly physical connection. And then there's emotional connection. Emotional connection is that place where you're feeling supported. Your emotional life is feeling supported and intertwined with the other person. For instance, let's say you come home from a hard day at the office and you flop down and you say, man, that was rough. And the spouse says, oh, tell me about it. What was going on? And as you were telling, your spouse goes, wow, that sounds really rough. Boy, it sounds like a really rough day. Here, can I get you something? As opposed to coming in and saying, wow, what a rough day, sitting down and the other person said, oh, yeah, you have no idea. And they wander off. Right. And one was is going to feel connected. The other is going to feel disconnected or another level of emotional connection is when somebody is hurting to be comforted by the spouse that leads to deeper emotional connections rather than feeling pushed away when there's hurt. And so the physical, the emotional connection is that place where it's in the intertwining of our emotional lives of feeling in support of each other, of feeling supported in your down moments and in celebration by your spouse. When you share those feelings and emotions, that's emotional connection. And then the last is spiritual connection. And and there are lots of couples who never quite understand this spiritual connection piece. Interestingly, though, when I talk to those couples, 
they were spiritually connected, at least at one point. Your spiritual connection is not just about your religious beliefs. Now, your spiritual beliefs, your, your religious or spiritual beliefs are certainly a part of that equation when you share them. When you talk about your struggles, your beliefs, what, you know, what you're kind of moving towards, that's a piece of it. But spiritual connection is also sharing with each other your hopes and your aspirations, it's also sometimes even sharing your fears that are keeping you from your hopes and aspirations, but it's, it's kind of that place where you're looking out and going, wow, this is where life becomes purposeful and meaningful. The reason I say that a lot of couples were connected there at one point and forgot about it is because that's one of the places that couples often fall in love. Think about those moments when people say, oh, you know, and you might have had this experience. I remember it for myself where you were like, you know, we talked all night long. We, we met at 10 o'clock, bumped into each other, and I realized I looked down and it was five or six in the morning and we hadn't stopped talking. We hadn't stopped sharing. What are you doing? Well, probably for the most part, at least if it's an early encounter, um, there may not have been a lot of physical connection, but there's certainly a lot of emotional connection, emotional sharing, and also spiritual connection of talking about where you see life going and what your great dreams and hopes and aspirations are. And that bonds you together. In fact, the spiritual connection can be one of the biggest bondings for couples when they can support each other in their spiritual aspirations and their beliefs and their hopes and dreams. That's a very deep bond. Some couples never experience it and some couples do it and don't realize that that's a level of connection. Okay, so connection is this other part of the perception connection trap. You have these three levels of connection, and let's say those one or all or two or all three of those levels of connection are on the downswing. They're not increasing. They're falling away. There's some detachment going on. Well, here's the connection perception or the perception connection trap. When connection is low, perception is going to get poor. And when perception is poor, connection is going to lower. And you see the downward cycle. So you have a poor perception of each other, and then you don't want to connect as much. And since you're not connecting as much, the perceptions begin to spoil a bit more, and they go lower and lower. And then there's less connection, and then the perception gets to be poorer. And then there's less connection, and the perception gets to be poor. And down and down, you dig into that hole. That's the perception connection trap. For example... Think about when you're disconnected at some point, maybe some point in the back in the past, you can think about it when there was a disconnection and some slight issue came up and it began to feel very amplified to you. The little slight ends up growing into something huge and these issues always seem bigger and the big issues almost seem insurmountable when the dis- disconnection is there. It could have been that you were feeling disconnected for some reason And then something was said kind of off the cuff or maybe a holiday or a birthday was missed and not celebrated the way it was expected to be. And and that little slight that may have just been an oversight of the other person may have been because they were busy or sidetracked or whatever else suddenly becomes uh, a character flaw that they didn't do it. And it becomes a slap in the face that they didn't do it. So all of a sudden you have a poor perception of the other person and you feel more disconnection. That's when you become caught in the perception connection trap. The interesting thing is when connection grows, the little things become just background noise and those big issues seem like they can be conquered. I know this over the years of having people come in and they would tell me the issues that they say, you know, we just can't get beyond this. And then we get them connected a little bit and they come back and I'll say, well, what about this issue? And they're like, oh, that doesn't matter anymore. I haven't even thought about that, right? 
And so what I know is that when you get connection going, the perception gets better. And as the perception gets better, the connection can grow. And as the connection grows, the perception gets better. And so while there is a perception connection trap that pulls you down, the opposite cycle happens too, where you have opportunities by building connection that lead to better perception. So whenever there is connection, it's easier to build a better perception towards each other. Now, that leads us to what do you do? How do you conquer the perception connection trap? How do you break it? How do you crack that trap? Well, I want to make uh, really four big points about that. So the first big point, big point number one, you cannot make your spouse change perceptions. You can't reach in and adjust the lenses. You can't pull off their glasses. And you know what I watch is many times people try to use logic. They try to help their spouse see that they're not seeing them in the correct way. You're trying to convince somebody else to change their perceptions of you, and that is wasted breath and wasted energy and probably even goes in the negative way. That when you're trying to convince somebody of something, of seeing you differently, they're more and more convinced that they are more and more correct, and they solidify that. So when you believe that the other person has a misperception of you, you're probably wasting your breath trying to get them to change it, trying to argue the point with them. That's not that's a direct assault on people's perceptions and it doesn't work. You know, quick thing you can kind of watch is try to change somebody's perceptions of politics or of world events. You know, they'll say something and you'll give some reason to believe the opposite. And then they'll argue why that opposite's impossible too. I've noticed this on the internet and in fact it, it's kind of an interesting human trait. I've had several people who would post something on Facebook that I knew was wrong. And so, you know, me trying to help them be a little more rational and sensible, I would go pull out the evidence of, of, to prove them wrong. And I would say, hey, you know, I'm not sure that's the whole picture. You might want to look at this. And they would either dismiss the information that I provided or argue the point deeper. In other words, I never changed their mind, right? And in fact, I, I try as much as I can to not step into that anymore because I know on a conscious level that I can't change their perceptions. There's just part of me that wants to make sure that they have the rest of the information. And more than that, and this is the truth of why I do that, I want the people who are reading it who haven't made up their mind to have the other side to it, to be able to see that maybe that's not the truth. Maybe there's something else. You can't ever change somebody's perception directly, even though we as humans keep trying. So that's big point number one. You can't make your spouse change perceptions of you directly. Directly is the key word there. Big point number two, you can note how your own perceptions are not always completely accurate. Um, and maybe even a little bit negative. And the reason this is important is once you can identify that perhaps you're seeing your spouse through faulty lenses, you can be a little more cautious about using those lenses, lenses and not assume that you have it all correct. That's an important way of beginning to turn back this pattern. So big point number two is that you can take control of those lenses that you have. Now, you're still going to have lenses, but you can understand that they're there. Now, if you've agreed with me up to this point, if you're still listening to me and you go, okay, he's got a point, you know, I do see the world probably not exactly the way it is, 
then you're we're on task with this. We're on target. You can then decide that you don't see your spouse perfectly and decide that you're going to be a little more open to the other possibilities of how your spouse really is than the one that feels automatic. Okay, so point big point number two, you can note how your own perceptions may be less than accurate and maybe even slightly more negative and therefore use caution, which leads us to big point number three. Work on rebuilding the connection. As you rebuild the connection between the two of you, you end up helping both of your perceptions. Notice how that works. The connection is between the two of you. The perceptions are each your own. And so as you work on the connection between the two of you, it begins to affect both of your perceptions of each other. So you have a little wider range when there is connection. Think about how maybe you're very, very angry and upset with somebody and you just can't believe that they would be that way and there's no way that you could possibly continue in the relationship with them. And then they come up and they say, hey, you know what? I'm so sorry. I was. And they give you the reason why that happened and you go, oh, and suddenly understanding returns because connection has returned. It's been reestablished by that emotional exchange of apologies. And suddenly you have a new way of seeing this person, a new understanding of seeing this person, and it heals the misperceptions that you had of them. So work on rebuilding the connection. It will help both of your perspectives and your both, both of your perceptions. Okay, so that brings us to big point number four. Focus on building fond thoughts. Now, this is kind of an interesting one I want you to think about because I'm asking you to be intentional about how you might alter your perceptions of your spouse, how you might begin to take control back of those perceptions and begin to rebuild them in a positive direction. Focus on building fond thoughts. Now, this is research-backed that if we begin to work on building fond thoughts for our spouse, we will feel more connected with a spouse. And so what I would suggest you do is think back on what made you fall in love with your spouse. Sometimes it's important to reach back behind the current problems and think back, what made you fall in love? What are those factors about your spouse that made you fall in love? Because if I say, you know, what, what is it that you love about your spouse right now? You might say, I'm so angry. I can't think of any of that, but go back. And think about it in fonder times, what those fond moments were, those fond traits were of your spouse. And, and just really ponder them, really hold them in and focus on those fonder thoughts of what led you to fall in love. The second thing is, what do you respect about your spouse? Now, if you say nothing, there's nothing there, you either have a horrible, terrible, terrible, horrible, horrible psychopath on your hands or your perceptions have gotten in the way. One of the clear signs that I can tell that somebody is really down on and, and really at a place of misperception is that they can only see the negative in a spouse. I can tell you because I've often had people come into my office and describe me the devil, right? And I'm waiting for the spouse to walk in with horns and a pointy tail, and in comes a very nice person. In comes a person that's not getting along with their spouse, but is a very nice person otherwise. And so you might want to use those outside lenses of maybe what friends would see as what's respectable about your spouse. And don't butt it. Don't say, oh, but they don't know, blah, blah, blah. Think about those things that you can respect and hold on to them. Then I want you to think back on those funny idiosyncrasies that we all have that only a spouse really can take in and 
uh, and look at very fondly. And, and that's, you know, part of what causes us to fall in love with this crazy other person on the other side is those little funny idiosyncrasies. I want you to think about those. Now, I want you to realize that these are probably the things that are driving you crazy right now. But think about them in fonder ways. I used to notice this pattern where I would have a couple come in and, and they, I would ask them how they complement each other, how they, you know, their opposites attract. And one common one is that one would be a free spirit and the other would be very organized. And so I would say, okay, well, how does that fit together? And the other one would say, well, you know, I learned spontaneity from my spouse. I'm, I'm more organized and I learned spontaneity. And the other person would say, yes, and I learned to be more organized and make sure I get my life together. Fast forward a little bit, and if they don't keep focused on what's attractive about that, I have them come in and they tell me that one's flighty and the other is anal, right? And there's no difference in those descriptions other than the angle they're looking at. And so part of what I'm suggesting is you step back a little bit and even look at the things that are driving you crazy and and make them back into those cute little idiosyncrasies that maybe kind of drove a little bit of the love feelings before. That's the way we begin to rebuild those fond feelings that you have towards the other person. Now, it's not going to happen overnight, and you do have to be intentional about it, and you do have to decide that you're going to suspend your set paradigm, that you have to suggest that there is maybe not everything within your paradigm that, that is true and rebuild from there. So big point number one, you cannot make your spouse change their perceptions of you directly, so don't do it. Don't try. Big point number two, you can note your own perceptions and how they are likely not exactly accurate and decide to use caution with how you're viewing your spouse. Number three, big point number three is work on rebuilding the connection. It will help help both of your perceptions. And big point number four, focus on building those fond thoughts of your spouse. Okay, that's the formula for how you crack the perception connection uh, trap. Now, if you're saying, okay, I, I've got a little pieces here, I need more, uh, that's the time to grab the Save the Marriage system. That's uh, There's a link to that uh, in the show notes just below this. So grab that system, and you're going to learn way more about how that paradigm fits in and how you can really change it up. This is Lee Balkum wishing you the best as you work to save your marriage. You've been listening to Save the Marriage Podcast. For more information and help, please visit us at savethemarriage.com.